Lord God, we thank you so much that you are a God of miracles. That you are a God who's not limited in any way by our ability to sense what you're up to. You are a God who is able and active, working far beyond what we're able to imagine, to dream, or even ask for. So we thank you, Lord, that you loved us long before we knew we needed it, and that you are with us and for us, that you are at work making us into your image and likeness. So God, would you be with us now in this moment? Would you use this moment of preaching to draw us closer to one another and ultimately to you? Help us to see and hear you clearly in this moment, oh God. We love you. We are so grateful that you first loved us. Pray all these things in the perfect name of your son, Jesus, who is the Christ. All God's people will join me by saying amen. Amen. Good morning, Sanctuary. It's good to be able to stand before you this morning and share in this way. If I haven't had a chance to meet you uh, yet, my name is Edrin, senior pastor here at the Sanctuary, and we're honored to be with you this morning. Um, I Every Sunday, um, I'm humbled when I stand up and I see there are actually people sitting out there. <laughs> I don't take it for granted that people would just show up on Sundays because I know there are so many things uh, vying for your attention and your time. And so I thank you for, for making space in your life to join together as a people of God and as a worshiping community. We have, uh, for the last five weeks, have been in a series uh, called Selfies, a, a walk through the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, we were able to, to go ahead and bring that to a close last Sunday. And today we're kicking off a new series that we'll be in for about five weeks that we're calling, uh, calling Altar in the City. Altar in, an Altar in the City. Um, but just before we jump into that, I do want to reiterate a couple uh, announcements that Tara shared with us this morning. The first is that we have baptism coming up in a couple weeks at the end of October. We would love uh, for any of you who have uh, been uh, on a journey with Jesus and never had the opportunity to be baptized or go public with your faith, we would love to take part in that celebration with you at the end of October. Um, if you've never been baptized before, uh, we would love to sit with you, talk about the significance of baptism, what it means for your life and for the life of our church, and we'd love to, to be with you as we celebrate that public declaration of your faith in Jesus. Um, also, next Sunday, we have our My Church gathering coming up. Um, if you grew up in churches like I did, you, you know church business meetings are not not fun. In fact, they can be downright crazy, but we are striving to never have crazy business meetings, uh, and so we, we do ours much differently here. We call them My Church Gatherings. We begin with a potluck meal, um, and we share in a meal together, get to know each other, develop relationships, and then we come together uh, for about an hour of business of ministry updates, finance updates, attendance updates, um, and then we, we also uh, try to create space for discussion around relevant topics for our church. Um, back in June, um, 
right after our denomination's annual meeting, we shared an update around um, the vote that took place at the Covenant annual meeting where First Covenant Church downtown was voted out of our denomination. And what I shared right after that meeting was that we would have time and space as a church to have some conversation and discussion around what that decision meant or did not mean for us as a church, how were we impacted by that, that decision by our denomination? Um, well, at our annual meeting, uh, at, our, at our, my church gathering that's coming up next week, I will give an update around uh, the work that's been done here internally since that annual meeting and, and help give an update around how those conversations will begin and begin to look here at Sanctuary. And so I want to invite all of you uh, to be with us next Sunday afternoon, 4 p.m. Bring a dish to share. Um, if you don't feel like cooking, go to Cub and get some chicken. All of us will appreciate that. Um, just be here uh, next Sunday, 4 p.m. for our, our My Church gathering, and we would uh, love to have you in the building with us. So let's go ahead and jump into this series. Again, we're calling it An Altar in the City, and it's an opportunity for us to think about our theology of the city. Earlier this summer, I was able to share a single message in a different series around a theology of the city. What does it mean that we at Sanctuary Covenant Church call ourselves an urban church? In this series, um, we have the opportunity to go a bit deeper than we were able to in that one message. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be wrestling with the topic of what does it mean that when we say we're an urban church. Specifically, we're going to wrestle with what it means when we say that we are a North Minneapolis church, or as our friends in the block says, North Minneapolis church. For some of you, perhaps many of you, you are asking the question, well, isn't church just church? Isn't church just church? Does it really matter if I belong to Sanctuary Covenant Church here in North Minneapolis or, say, New City Covenant Church down in Edina or uh, Salem Covenant Church out in New Brighton? or even Abbeyway Covenant Church, just down Broadway in Northeast Minneapolis. Does it really matter where I belong to a church? Isn't church just church? The question behind the question is, what does place have to do with how we experience God? What does place have to do with how we live out lives of faith? Friends, I want you to hear me clearly when I say this today. Place matters. Place matters. Place matters to God, and I firmly believe that place must matter to us as well. Last year, around this time, in fact, it was about last week, a year ago, I had been leading our church through the time of transition for a couple months, and I began to feel myself being worn down and tired, um, just, just pulled in too many different directions, and I was struggling quite a bit. And I was also stinking it up on the home front. <laughs> My wife was happy to tell me that. <laughs> I, I just was not a good husband. I, I was not available to her in the way that she needed me to. Everything that my daughters did, is, is, even though it was very cute, it was getting on my nerves. I wanted to be available to my family in a different way. I, I wanted to be there for my family in the way that they needed me to. And so I did what any reasonable person would do. I left the country. I was able to take part in a pastoral retreat through our denomination that took me to Bowen Island in British Columbia, right outside of Vancouver. 
It was a beautiful place. And I promise, I, I was not running from my family. I was trying to be a better husband for my family. I got there and was enamored with the forests, with the mountains, with the Pacific coast, with beautiful smaller bodies of water. I had time to sit every single day with a spiritual director for an hour, and she would ask me hard questions about my identity and my walk with Jesus. I was able to sit around fires with other pastors who were also trying to figure things out. I was able to sip coffee, sing worship songs with an acoustic guitar, read liturgies, walk in a labyrinth in the woods. I felt like I was on, uh, what's, what's the vampire movie? Uh, Twilight, yeah. It was just misty the whole time, and it was just beautiful out there. <laughs> One of the messages that I heard from God clearly when I was there on Bowen Island, British Columbia, was come away with me. And every day since that trip, I've listened to the song by Nora Jones, Come Away With Me. I experienced God there on that island. And then I came back to North Minneapolis. And sometimes the news in North Minneapolis and the experience of North Minneapolis is very different. I did a Google search this week of just North Minneapolis and Google, you know how sometimes they do the, 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 the predictive thing where it just types out the rest for you. It was North Minneapolis crime, North Minneapolis shooting, North Minneapolis homelessness. If I were to just rely on what the, the, the news lead said about North Minneapolis, I would think that there were always men found dead in North Minneapolis, that there was this ongoing war between the community and the police, that there was only a lack of resource in North Minneapolis. I came across a website called Trip Savvy that listed North Minneapolis as a neighborhood to avoid when you visit Minneapolis. Let's, 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 let's place those two images side by side. One, Bowen Island, the beauty and the majesty of a spiritual retreat in the mountains along the Pacific coast, feeling like I'm on twilight, and then Minneapolis, a busy city, cold, literally and figuratively, sometimes violent. But there seems to be so many needs and so many threats to your peace of mind. In one of those places, it's very easy to see God. And in another place, in the other place, it can sometimes seem impossible to see God. And over time, if we're not careful, we can begin to internalize a message about the city as a place without God. Because of some of the stories we've heard, because of some of the experiences that we've had, because of the social distance that at time has existed between our church and the people of this community. It can be easy for any one of us to slip into a place of seeing the city, specifically North Minneapolis, as a place without God. One of the words that I've actually literally heard a pastor of another church say, not in the community, but a pastor of another church here in the metro, that used to describe North Minneapolis is God forsaken. Do you know how harsh and how dangerous that is to say that any place is God forsaken. As if God has literally turned God's back on that place, has given up on that place, is no, no longer present in that place. 
a pastor who professed love of Jesus says that this community is God forsaken. This week as I was preparing for this message, I came across an encouraging word from a pastor on the south side of Chicago. His name is Pastor Jonathan Brooks. And I want to say for the record that Chicago makes North Minneapolis seem like Mayberry. And so when Pastor Jonathan Brooks says something, I listen. He says, there are no God-forsaken places, but there are plenty of church-forsaken places. Here at Sanctuary Covenant Church, we were working so that no one might ever say about North Minneapolis that it is a church-forsaken place. And so through this series, throughout this series, over the next five weeks, we are going to wrestle with various aspects of what it means for us to be a church in this community and for this community. What does it mean for us to love North Minneapolis, to serve North Minneapolis, to identify with North Minneapolis, not to talk about North Minneapolis as third person, but to see ourselves as a part of this community and to be seen that way by the community. Often when we think about urban ministry and theologies of the city, there's a familiar refrain that's tossed out. It says that we are, as churches, called to seek the welfare of the city, to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. It comes from Jeremiah 29. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 29 just to get a sense of the context of that expression. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 1 says this. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Let's jump down to verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. It's a very popular bit of scripture. It's it's often cited in works and books and articles around urban ministry. It's extremely popular with majority culture churches as well. But there's, there's something beautiful about it, but there's also something challenging about it. It can be problematic. When you see a place as exile, you're saying that this is a place I don't want to be in the first place. When you, see, when you talk about being sent into exile, you're talking about being forced to be in a place you don't want to be. And even if you cloud it in holy language like saying called there, when you think of a place as exile, it's not really a love relationship. When you think of yourself as a person as being in exile, you're saying I'm someone who's being forced to live in a place that if it was up to me, I wouldn't be here. And there's always this this idea of home, a different place where your heart and your affections ultimately reside. And as soon as you get the opportunity, you're leaving this place and going to where you actually would want to be. 
Brothers and sisters, can you see how that can be problematic? As we move into this next season here at Sanctuary Covenant Church, as we work to sharpen the point of Pastor Ephraim's founding vision, as we work to continue forward in the direction that Pastor Dennis was leading us, I want to remind us as your senior pastor to move. I want to encourage us to move beyond the idea of seeking the welfare of the city where we've been sent as exiles towards a different perspective, towards a different posture, one that more accurately echoes the words of Jacob found in Genesis chapter 8, a declaration that says, surely God is in this place. That's a very different posture than saying I'm an exile in a land I didn't choose, and I'm going to do good for the time I'm here, but ultimately I'm asking God to take me someplace else. Jacob declares in Genesis chapter 8, surely God is in this place. And I'm encouraging us as a church to let that be our new refrain as well. Join me if you have your Bibles in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 17. I want us to look at that together. And then I want to encourage us as we move into a new posture about seeing God here in North Minneapolis. Genesis chapter 28, beginning with verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba And set out for Haran, where he reached a certain place. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Verse 16 Jacob awakes from his sleep, and he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob was the the grandson of Abraham. He was the son of Isaac and Rebekah. He was the twin brother of Esau, and he would eventually become known as a father of the faith. But Jacob was also a lying son. Jacob was a stealing brother. Jacob was a cheating husband. He was a selfish father, and he was a mudslinging son-in-law. Jacob was a trickster. Jacob deceived his elderly father and stole his brother's birthright and his rightful blessing. Jacob was so hated that his brother Esau says in Genesis 27, 41, that the moment their father died, he was going to kill his brother Jacob. Their mother, Rebecca, overheard that, and she helps Jacob to run away in search of safety. And he is running away on the way to his uncle Laban's place, and on the way there, Jacob has an encounter with God. 
Friends, I confess today that there's all sorts of contexts that I wish I had time to dig into. There's all sorts of ways in which this passage has been misused throughout the years. And if you are looking for that today, I want to invite you to meet us on Wednesday at 6.30 in the lobby for Bible study. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Because for this preaching moment, what I actually want you to see with me is that Jacob has an epiphany. This is a man on the run. He's fearing for his life, and he has a holy aha moment, and he declares in that moment something that I pray we might declare about this community, that surely God is in this place, this place, a specific place for Jacob was a pass-through. It was a rest stop for the night. In fact, it was, it was a no-name place. It was a reject place. Anybody grow up with shoes that didn't have names? They were rejects. They, they didn't even have names. They were just shoes. This place was a reject place. The text calls it a certain place. We don't even know what the actual name was. But in that, so, that certain place, in that reject place, God meets Jacob. Jacob encounters God. And that place that was a certain place, a reject place, a no-name place, go, goes from that, that sort of, that sort of uh, label to being a Bethel place. That word Bethel, Bethel, means the house of God. It, it, it suggests that this was the gate of heaven. And Jacob declares in that moment, in this place that he was just trying to pass through, that surely the Lord is in this place. I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This place was of limited value to Jacob, if it had any value at all. But right there in that place is a really good God revealing himself to Jacob like never before. This meeting place becomes a, a, a meetup spot between a perfect God and an imperfect man named Jacob. And I believe that what God was doing there with Jacob on his way to Haran, God can do with us as a church right here in North Minneapolis as well. I believe God wants to open our eyes in this next season to see this place in a different way. I believe God wants us to cry out about North Minneapolis as Jacob cried out about this place, that surely God is in this place. When we say surely God is in this place, what we're saying is that North Minneapolis, too, is a dwelling place for God. See, when I was on Bowen Island in British Columbia, I knew God was there. They had the mountains in the Pacific coast, and there were actual orcas swimming alongside our ferries for as long as I got so many great pictures, I knew it was a God thing. But I want us to also see that God is right here on the corner of Broadway and Aldridge as well. I want us to see that right here on the corner of Aldridge and 21st, where, where the captain of this precinct says, this is the worst corner I've ever seen in all of my policing. I want us to see that God is in this place as well. Right here in this place that we don't have to go someplace else to find God. I, I would love for Sanctuary to have a weekly, if not daily, expression that surely God is in this place. 
When we say that, we're saying that North Minneapolis is a place that is desirable. It's a place where the presence of God lives. When we say surely God is in this place, what we're saying is that North Minneapolis, too, is a place where the blessings of God are readily available. We don't have to go out to the burbs to find God. That's what we're saying. When we say God, surely God is in this place, we're saying that salvation and redemption and peace and prosperity do not require me to abandon this place. Instead, just as God is at work in other places, God is also right here at work restoring all things in this place. So what does it look like for sanctuary to live out an attitude and a posture that says surely God is in this place, right here at the corner of Broadway and Aldridge. I believe it first starts with us seeking out the presence of God in North Minneapolis. That's my first point, that as a church in this season, we must seek out the presence of God in North Minneapolis. What I'm saying is that we have to have an experience where our eyes are being opened to God's presence and activity in this neighborhood. We, we, we should be praying daily, Lord, help me to see you, to hear you, and experience you right here in this community. But that will require us also to be present in this community. It requires us to spend some meaningful time right here in North Minneapolis discovering what God is up to. Yes, Sunday mornings are important for us, but we must also find other times to be here in this community. And this is not just a message for those who don't live in the neighborhood, because it's possible to live in North Minneapolis and work in North Minneapolis and, and, and receive a nice paycheck from your job in North Minneapolis and not see North Minneapolis as a valuable place. So all of us, have to grow in the practice of seeking out the presence of God in North Minneapolis. I want to encourage us to take part in community events. I want to encourage us to connect intentionally to organizations and businesses that are here. I want to encourage us to mentor kids and mentor young leaders who are serving in this community directly. Our prayer as we go back and forth in this community must be, Lord, where are you and how are you inviting me to join you in this community? As we move forward towards a surely God is in this place posture, we must first seek out the presence of God in this community. The second thing we must do is learn to celebrate the presence of God in this community. Here's the good news, Sanctuary. If this seems like too much for us, like if this, this invitation is too vast for us, the good news is that we're not the first and we're not the only. We're not the first and we're not the only. Sometimes when you're called to communities, when you're committed to communities like this one, you just want to put your head down and work really hard to see change happen. But sometimes it begins to feel like you're the only one on the job. The good news is there are many, many organizations and churches that were here a long time before we got here. There are some little faithful churches that don't have flashy screens and, and, and nice lights and, and a social media presence and a pastor wearing skinny jeans. There are some churches who have loved North Minneapolis long before sanctuary ever existed. There are some organizations who are committed to North Minneapolis beyond just us. 
And a part of our job as we move into this next season is to learn how to celebrate what others are doing in North Minneapolis. I don't want to sound too much like the guy at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, but a part of our job is to not let the, the story that the media tells about North Minneapolis be the only story of North Minneapolis. There is beauty in this community. There is love in this community. There is a sense of connection in this community that many suburbs will never be able to, to replicate. It's strange, but I feel safe in North Minneapolis in a way that I never did when we lived in Plymouth. I feel okay to let my daughter ride her bike up and down the street in a way that I never did when we lived in Plymouth. Because I know that my neighbors are looking out for her in a different way. And I love Plymouth, but I love the north side even more. And I believe that as a church, we've got to celebrate the presence of God in this community. The, the story that the news is telling about North Minneapolis is only one part of the story. And we've got to get better at counteracting that with telling a bigger, broader story of what God is up to in North Minneapolis. So we've got to seek out the presence of God in North Minneapolis. We've got to celebrate the presence of God in North Minneapolis. But we've also got to cultivate the presence of God in North Minneapolis, because you can love the city and not love everything going on in the city. I'd be lying if I stood up and said everything that takes place in North Minneapolis is peaches and ice cream. There's some stuff in our community that definitely still needs to be worked out. And Sanctuary is uniquely positioned to work in this community in a way that some other organizations and churches are simply not. God has blessed us with a beautiful diversity, and it's not just for the pictures on our website. There are some experiences and some talents and some gifts and some resources in this room that God wants to use to do a work in North Minneapolis. And there is an invitation for us together as a multi-ethnic, multi-class, intergenerational church to do some good work in this community. And so we've got to ask ourselves, how can we together as this multi-ethnic church impact every block in North Minneapolis? How can we impact every institution Every destination, every school, every community organization, every park, every establishment, how can we invest in and raise up leaders in this community from this community? How do we as a church help cultivate the presence of God right here where we are? So brothers and sisters, as we prepare to move into communion, I don't know if you live here or if you just work here, or if you just worship here, or occasionally volunteer here, perhaps you're, you're going to come across this on our live stream and you've never stepped foot into North Minneapolis. Wherever you are on the journey, my prayer for us together is that all of us would take one more step inward and engage one a, a bit more deeply here in North Minneapolis. And I pray that in a very short while, we might cry out in the same voice that Jacob did and say, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. 
How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. You call us to be your people. And we thank you, oh God, that you, you have us in this community intentionally. You've blessed us to be here. We don't look at it as a burden to serve in this place on this corner. You've given us a beautiful invitation to be the church in hard places. God, I pray that we might accept the invitation, that we might have our eyes and our hearts open to see what you are doing in us and among us. And I pray, God, that as we move into this new season, that we might say together with one voice, surely the Lord is in this place. God, I pray that we might love North Minneapolis, that we might see ourselves as a part of North Minneapolis, that the community would see us that way as well. And so, Lord, whatever the work is that needs to be done to prepare us for that, I pray that you would let it be. God, whoever you are raising up among us to lead us in this work, I pray that you would open our eyes to see it. I pray that you would give confidence to my brothers and sisters sitting in these seats, that they might see themselves as valuable contributors to the work you're calling us to. God, I pray that when we encounter fear, you might give us courage. That when we encounter loneliness and fatigue, that you might restore us, that you might give us deep relationships to know that we are not alone on this, in this work. God, I pray that you would help us to see the ways in which other organizations and other churches and other individuals have been faithful to this community and that we might become incredible cheerleaders for what others are doing. God, wherever there are gaps, wherever you have gifted us in particular ways, I pray, God, that we would fill those gaps, that we would not seek to replicate what others are doing, that we might come alongside and serve this community well. And I pray for a day, Lord, where young men and young women would be proud to say I'm from the north side, that we might be proud to say I'm, we are a north side church. That there would be no conjunction coming after. We're a Northside church, but that we would always be proud of where you've placed us. God, I pray that we might see in the way that Jacob did that this is holy ground. You are here. Wherever you are, Lord, there's freedom and liberty. And so we're grateful. Thank you for letting us join you in this place and in this work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.